0: what's going on people welcome back
1: hey you've been
0: 111 where we give the most base takes
1: For base. you want to
0: you want you want me to tell you something i i was thinking about Sanha in the in the shower this morning and i and i don't know maybe because like you know how like bass is like a thing that the young kids are saying nowadays yeah it's yeah. like you know this is a this is a philosophically sound position that you have taken they call it based, right? Okay. You know, and I thought about it and I'm like, what's, what's the opposite of a based take? It's it's a biased take, right? Like it's a bad take. A biased take would be like, you know, a, a take that's, you know, doesn't deserve as much merit. And like what's the difference between a biased take and a base take? A biased take has I in it as in my personal interjections Is that why people came up with the word base? It's like you take the I, you take you take the you take the
1: you know the personal emotions out of it, you take the I out of biased, and then you get a base take. I I think we need to I think we need to stop the podcast right here.
2: (laughs) <laughs> but in any
0: case, ladies and gentlemen, as always, we bring you the most face takes. Um, my name is Andy, and as always, joined by the other main man, Sana. Today, we are sure. going to talk about um, the NFL, <laughs> big news about Deshaun Watson's uh, finalized punishment, and going to talk a little bit about uh, fantasy. Sana's going to continue on in the series. Sure. Talk about running backs and wide receivers today. The big we're going to move on to the NBA. We're going to talk about, again, the biggest story that's going around. LeBron James' new contract. What do we think about it? And and then we'll talk a little bit about trades. A little bit of rounding up. Got to say, Sanha, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but we're going to kind of give a roundup of what has been a relatively quiet offseason, if I must say. And then we'll talk about the EPL, because last weekend was... Quite dramatic. Lots of stories came out of that one, and so there's plenty to talk about there, but let's first start with the NFL. Sean Watson assigned an 11-game suspension, meaning that his first game back will be in Week 13 against his old team, Houston. He's going to be uh, playing away, and on top of that, he received a $5 million fine. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on it, man?
2: I mean, the, the fine is like meaningless to someone who it's
0: it's meaningless but you have to give some context that this is a very very big fine for a player
2: it is yes typically like when you talk about player fines it's like ten thousand dollars if it's like a six digit fine then like that's like a pretty substantial fine so five million when we're getting to seven digits that is a lot of money in terms of finding a player in the league um so it's definitely like sets a bar right um but like practically speaking he signed like the biggest like guaranteed contract in the history of the nfl so i don't think he's overly concerned about a five million dollar fine um I don't I mean, yeah. know.
0: Like, it, it's, yeah, yeah. It, it, so it's 224, I think, 224 million, something like
2: that.
0: Yeah. So, like, five, five billion is like, how, how, what percent of that? It's like 2% of that, right? Yeah. I mean, 2% of like, and I don't know how much of his, like, income is, I would say, majority for a football player comes from the contract. It's not like a basketball player where you have, like, sponsorships, like, at, Astronomical levels, yeah, Uh, and of course with the Sean Watson's like situation, he's not going to have sponsorship. So two twenty four is basically it. I mean, like two percent of what you have is like you know it's yeah,
1: it's something. It's something.
0: I would hate to give away two percent of what I have right now. Like that's like that's that sucks.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but that's like that's like of his new contract. It's not. Like, how much has he earned to date? He's,
1: he's earned already $51 million to date. And I guess, like, the bigger point is
0: that you still have, at the end of the day, $270 million. Yes, which is,
2: of- which is, like, $200 million more than anyone could, like, need or could, like, feasibly spend, right? Anyway, in a, gen- in a lifetime. Yeah, it's yeah. in a lifetime. Anyway, it's like two hundred million dollars more than that number. So, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, bringing you down five million dollars. Yeah, really, really knocking you down a peg. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but um, uh, really thought the eleven game suspension was interesting, right? Because if it was a ten game, he would have been playing against Brady, um, uh, and the Buccaneers and like that would have been a i don't know like i think i think they wanted to keep tom brady's like you know um brand a little bit clean you know roger goodell was like we can't have brady playing in a controversial game like this i wonder if that like came into the uh rationale behind 11 because 11 is a very strange number because 10 would have been like you know it's a it's a round number why not 10.
2: You know it's also uh, a round number, teams,
0: right?
2: You know it's also a round number 12. And you know where 11 puts them? It's not just like the Brady thing. The gate that he's coming back on is the Texans game. Right. So, basically the NFL was like, "All right, so like we need to we need to make a point by extending your suspension, but we can't give up the money of Watching your quarterback come back to Houston.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) It was never going to be 12. It was
0: never going to be 12. Jesus Christ. It was either the whole season or this, I guess, right?
2: I guess, like, I mean, optically, that's how it looks, right? Because, like, who the fuck chooses 11 games, especially, and then, like, the, the 12th game just happens to be against the Texans, the team that... You requested the trade from?
1: Pretty sus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's,
2: sus. One, that's one way to put it, yeah. <laughs> but, My God. I mean,
0: you know everyone's going to be watching it, whether they like it or not.
2: Yes, yes. Um, probably
0: going to watch it, because...
2: I mean, yes, undoubtedly. I mean, the good thing is that, you know, when the Browns visit Atlanta... Um, early in the season, he won't be there at least. What does that mean? All those masseuses were like in Atlanta.
0: Oh, damn. <laughs> well, well, is is he forbidden from traveling with the team?
2: Oh, when he's not when he's suspended. Yeah. Uh, I guess technically not, but um. Well-
0: well, yeah, technically not because I mean, okay, so maybe he can't make it to the stadium. Yeah, but at the
2: very least,
0: like he isn't—he's is an independent human being. Yeah, he, he could. Yeah, he yes, Atlanta, yes, yes, Atlanta, yes,
2: yes. Wants. I know. I of course he can be in Atlanta whenever he wants. Although I, for his sake, I like hope that he doesn't show his fucking face in Atlanta. Yeah. I don't yeah. know, man. This whole situation is just, my God, like. If this is
0: ready, I'm, I'm ready to be over it, man, because, you know,
2: yeah, I want it to be over too, but it's just like, man, this guy. OK, so like, this is what he says, like, I apologized beforehand, Watson said, I think the second time I spoke to you guys, I actually apologized. But I think for some people, it didn't maybe register as I was apologizing. But, you know, I just wanted to clarify that I was apologizing to all women and people that was affected about the situation. This is definitely a tough situation. So this guy's like, yeah, like I'll apologize, but not because I did anything wrong, but because the situation is upsetting.
0: Like, but yeah, it's like it's like sorry you got, sorry you got hurt, like. It's, yeah, it's yeah. but it's
2: like not on me, so like yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, like you know, in his defense, like there's like even if he felt that way, he can't possibly say that to incriminate himself. You
2: know yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, no, he he like, can't. Just,
0: there was no way that he was gonna be able to deliver a satisfactory. Yeah,
2: exactly. Case, but, like, you know, but it's just like fun. my God, man. I don't, I don't know.
1: But, but at and, least but, the
2: Browns
0: are probably gonna be crap next year, right?
2: I mean, yeah, I guess they have a good running game. They have a good defense. 11 uh, games is a lot. Yeah, but yes, you know, like, yes. The At the Jacoby end of the day, percent, 11 yeah. games is a lot of games. So I mean we'll, we'll we'll see, but yeah, 11
1: is a lot of games for sure. Do you think that they're going to be last in the division? Um I don't know, man. The Steelers also don't have a good quarterback, so I don't know. Like <laughs> it'll be tw- it'll be between them.
2: But the difference is that the Steelers don't have Deshaun Lawson coming back for the last six games of the season. So Yeah,
0: and if I do like if I do remember like the schedule, it's like the the Browns have a, a more back ended schedule, I think. Like their first several games look Again, against like the Panthers, the Falcons.
2: Yeah, their first few games were ridiculous. Like beatable, beatable. Panthers, teams,
1: yeah. Jets, the Steelers, the Falcons. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Um.
2: Should be an interesting season for them. Uh. Yeah. They. I. I guess they could be last, but I. I'd be surprised if the Steelers aren't. Don't
1: finish last. That division. Okay. Alrighty,
0: want to move on? Talk about running backs?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Let's wide do receivers.
2: It. Do it. The, just keep
0: talking about tight ends. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to, to do that
2: last week. No, I'll, 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 I'll do that next time. I just decided to lump running back, wide receiver together because we're quickly approaching the beginning of the season now. We don't have many weeks left. Sure. Um, and this is really what people want to know. <laughs> right, right, right. This, this the is, money maker. yeah, the money makers exactly. Like fantasy football seasons are made on running backs and wide receivers.
0: And your running back staying healthy. Yeah. yeah,
2: exactly. And the and the biggest reason for that is that the top wide receivers and the top running backs outscore the rest of the position so heavily and you can have multiple of them, up to three um, on your roster starting at any point in time. So it makes them it makes a, a very impactful uh, position to have. Um, so I'm gonna be talking mostly in the context of PPR scoring, which is points per reception scoring, meaning that every player for every reception that they get, every catch that they make, whether or not it got any yards, they'll get a point for it. Um, the reason that this scoring became so popular is because without it, um, it made running backs inherently more valuable than wide receivers by a pretty significant margin. Now, wide receivers can actually challenge running backs um, for being as valuable and scoring as many points throughout the, over the course of this Um which is why and that's why i also prefer i think i just think it makes more sense um and it adds another dimension to the game so anyway let's talk running backs and wide receivers so typically how you think about running backs and wide receivers are in three different phases of your draft um so at the top of the draft how are you going to start off your draft um depending so like depending on the season depending on the layout of what um projections look like for any given season uh this this kind of strategizing and what's viable and not viable has changed over the course of time um so for instance you're typically thinking about your first three rounds and what uh positions you come out with after the first three rounds so you could be you know Running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide wide receiver, running back, wide receiver, running back, running back, something like that, right? Some combination of those things. Uh, and a lot of the time, people will be asking, like, what's the optimal play like for a given season? In like, should I be targeting running backs over wide receivers first? Should I be? Is it okay to go wide receiver first and then running backs later, et cetera? Right? Uh, I think we've come to a point where. All of the combinations are very, very viable depending on which uh, position you're drafting in. Right. So, for instance, if I'm drafting second overall and I will have access to someone like Christian McCaffrey, then it's probably unadvisable to start wide receiver. Like you're almost locked into already starting running back and then because of that may probably one of your next two picks will need to be a wide receiver at the very least if not both of them will have to be wide receiver so like you're kind of like locked into going running back wide receiver wide receiver um uh, while on the other hand like if you are picking like 7th um then a lot of like the very very top tier running backs that are already off the board by that point and so you're Again, similarly, you're kind of priced into picking a wide receiver first and then, therefore, need to probably target a running back with at least one of your next two picks. Um, So you go wide receiver, running back, wide receiver, or wide receiver, wide receiver, running back. Um, All of these uh, combinations, they're all viable choices, um, depending on where you pick. Um... And so part of it comes down to luck, but the other part of it, and I think probably the most important part of it is it comes down to you understanding your league and you understanding which players are going to be available to you in the next round for each position. So I'll give an example. Um, You're picking ninth overall. And you have the option between like a running back and a wide receiver. You have an option between like, I don't know, uh, Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon, who are Jamar Chase is a, is a top tier wide receiver. Joe Mixon is a top tier running back. Uh, they're both very, very good options. Um, but so for me, what that would come down to is if I believe that both players are like, you know, on par, right, ish, um, in terms of value, in terms of value, like relative to each other. You have to consider, okay, let's say it's a Ted man league. That means if I'm going 9th overall now, um, I'm going to be picking in two more in two picks. I'm gonna be no, sorry, three picks. So I'm gonna be picking twelfth overall as well. So I'm thinking, okay, if I take a wide receiver here, then which players Who's the best player that's going to be available to me at pick number 12 when I'm picking next? And so then depending on who that is, I should probably probably pick the other position right so if i think the best player who's going to be available in my next pick is going to be a wide receiver then i should probably take a running back here because i believe they're tied uh and vice versa if i think the next the best available player at my next pick is going to be a running back then i should take a wide receiver there um and so you can use that kind of methodology to work your way through your first three picks um to ultimately get to where you want to be my my like generic recommendation for this season is to get your get two wide receivers early, which has not which is kind of different from in the past, uh, wherein you really, really wanted to lock in your running backs early. That's like conventional wisdom of fantasy football, uh, traditionally speaking. But I think that this year, like there there's more running back death actually like quality running back depth that you'll find in the mid rounds than wide receiver depth um, that I'm comfortable with. So given that I'd rather come out with more wide receivers, especially in PPR, where receptions are carry more weight. Um, I'd rather have wide receivers for like three reasons. So the first reason is what I just mentioned. I think there's more depth to running backs in the mid rounds this year. Than wide receiver, uh, than wide receiver. So that's number one. Number two is it's the um this is like what we call the anti fragility argument. Um, and it's where like this whole theory concept of zero running backs draft theory came out of. Um, it's basically the idea that because running backs are inherently more prone to injury than wide receivers, you should prioritize locking in your wide receivers to minimize your injury risk. Um across your roster um, and then use uh cheaper draft capital to take um, the more injury heavy position, which is the running back. Um, so that's number two. And then number three, when you're in PPR receptions are more important. So obviously wide receivers are just going to be inherently favored compared to running back. Um, so like, those are like three pretty good reasons um, why I believe that you should in an optimal like position be coming out with two wide receivers in the first three rounds of your fantasy football drafts this year
0: so what this is like more of like a because let me tell you about my experiences with like fantasy baseball and like fantasy basketball i've always found that the hardest part to draft in general and especially like because like how challenging it is to strategize in like the first two rounds is. Mm-hmm. I've always found like the middle, uh, getting getting you know, uh, a lot getting your lottery uh, uh, pick to become like number four or five or like something in the middle has always been the toughest for me. Like nine and ten, because like you said, nine is then you can just like calculate, you know, who are the two hypothetical things that will go off the board, yeah, and then I will I will manage who is going to be nine and then who's going to be 12 yeah right and then to some extent you could probably say the same about eight because you could calculate out four and but then like you know when it gets to seven it starts to get harder and then six and then five yeah you know almost impossible yeah right and then so it's five and six you're just stuck with this you know talent and you know you you hope and pray that this season happens to be one where you know there is some the league itself is a little bit top heavy with the talent. And so that even at five and six, you'll get comparable or comparable talent to what might be picked at one and two. But a lot of times it's not the case. Like one and two and three are like, you know, usually like add much more substantially more value than, you know, four or five, or there's, there's a drop off somewhere. Right. And so I've always found five and six, four, five, six, seven, you know, to be the, like the toughest ones to manage in like, let's say a 10 uh, team league. What
2: are your thoughts on that? I I think part of that is true, but I, I mean, I, it really comes. I think it just makes it harder for people who are like less sure about, um, about the ranges of the players that they like. Uh, like I, I think the, the, the best way to like strategize that kind of thing is to think of your players in terms of ranges of picks. Um, so like, I like these players in this range. Um, and no matter where I'm drafting, I can think about like, I will get one of these players in that because they all fit in that in, in a specific range of picks instead of like just like one or two picks, right? Um, so like if I can like already going into the draft, if I can already like bucket the, the players that I like into specific ranges of picks, then no matter what pick that I'm drafting in, I can always like have a group of players that i'm I'm happy with, right um, and then so like that that's kind of thing, but it, it's it is true that it is during the draft, I think during the actual draft it's the hardest to be um like it's the hardest well, it depends on how you look at it because if you're drafting first overall. Yeah, like, you know who you're going to like, obviously, you have the luxury of knowing who you're going to take with the first overall pick. But the downside is because it's a snake draft, you have to project out another like 20 picks to understand who's going to be available next. And then like that happens every other round for you, though, right? So it makes it harder for you to strategize ahead of time than who I think is going to be available and therefore like using the methodology that I just spoke to about earlier, right? I think these, this position is going to be available. Therefore I take the other position now, right? It makes it harder to do that for every other round. If you're starting early or if you're starting late, it just happens to happen like every other round. Um, While if you're in the middle ish, then like you're, you're projecting like 10 picks like constantly, um, which it's probably uh, it's a little easier to project out 10 picks than to project out 20 picks, right? Um so I, I think there are tradeoffs to to both sides, but at the end of the day my advice is always think about your players in ranges of picks so that you're never like kind of like stuck with dealing with that sort of uncertainty.
0: Then you always have to think about, right, when you're doing the ranges, you don't want it to make your ranges so big to the point where you end up running into the same problem of this indecisiveness when it's, you know, when your turn's coming up or, or god forbid like it is your turn and you're becoming decisive because yeah. your ranges became too generous right And so for sure you have to be somewhat you know controlled about the uh the ranges and like you know th- well that's like that's the hard i mean that's what makes fantasy not that easy it, right it
2: right easy exactly Like
0: if, and- if we were if we were able to just like map out like you know like if you could set up like a, a system where you could just you know, run a script, and you just have an automatic pick every single time. Right. you have to look at it because you planned it out. I mean, exactly. It be fun anymore, right? Exactly.
2: But, That's why. do I a mean, lot of mock drafts. Just the
0: ongoing, you
2: know. If you do a lot yeah, of mock, mock drafts, drafts from different different positions, um, like I I'll, I'll run anywhere from like twenty to thirty uh mock drafts, all from like different positions. Oh. Um, and then so then after that though, I have a really good feeling for whatever pick that I'm at. I I have a good feeling that these players are going to be available at these positions. And so I can craft my strategy around that. And then also, like you mentioned, so like, yeah, it's hard, especially when you g- g- get to a point where you're being indecisive, it's very difficult to get around that. Go into a draft, understanding what your tiebreakers are, right? So like, have like positional, uh, like put weights on different positions depending on positional need. But uh, like if two if you're between two players, just go with the youngest play the younger player um, or or maybe maybe you don't like that. And you'd rather go with the player with um, uh, like a history of statistics, like who who did it before, like who did who performed better last season um, or maybe you just go with the player who's on the better offense that you project to be the better offense, because that's that's typically a thing that you want. You want a lot of players on good offenses. Um, so like, these are like all different like methods of like tiebreakers, but like go into the draft knowing, okay, I can't be indecisive. So I'm going to come in with like a, a, cri- a list of criteria to break any ties. So I can be like, I can easily be like, okay, I'm between these two players. Boom, boom, boom. These are my tiebreakers. Okay. I'm going with this one. No waffling, no indecision. Easy peasy.
1: Right. And then,
0: the big disclaimer is that this is a tiebreaker. We're not gonna, you know, use who's on the best offense as like you know the, the as the primary factor. Exactly, exactly. Made. That's when it's so a tie. This is, this is like when when it all comes down to it. Yes, like, you know, it all looks equal. Then you know we gotta implement. Yes, it's like seemingly arbitrary, you know. But
2: exactly, you
0: know, uh, it, it's something to work with.
2: Right exactly, now. exactly. So um, so that's the that's the top of the draft. That's the first phase, right? um then the second phase is kind of like the middling and what we call value picks or what i call value picks um they're like picks in the middle of the draft where you're kind of filling out the remainder of your roster you're getting maybe like maybe you're getting a second running back or a flex player here and then like the first players on your bench um who are the players and that you're going to go after. So here is where the, the ranges really become important because depending on, like, the bracket of picks that you're in, it's very likely that once you get into rounds, like, five, six, seven, and definitely later than that, you're going to be able to pick up the players that you want more consistently. Because the, the, the like, the internal rankings of players within each player's mind becomes like a lot more subjective once you get into this area, is not as clear cut as the top like 30 players. Um. So So if you have a strong conviction of certain players in certain ranges, then don't be afraid to like reach uh, above, outside of a player's ADP, uh, average draft position, or whatever they're ranked on like ESPN or Yahoo's like ranking system. Because like some of those rankings are completely whack. Like they don't make any sense at all. Um, So don't listen to that. Don't be afraid because ESPN has like Cortland Sutton ranked, you know, like 80. Don't be afraid to take him at 60 because 80 is ridiculous. Like that's insane. Like, I don't know how they came up with these rankings. And how they come up with the rankings, I think, is they just do, like, a, a, a season-long projection of their stats and then they just add up the points um, and they just order it by um, the number of points that they're projected. Anyway. Um, I mean,
0: so, is that not fine? I mean, just the, the problem might just be in the projected stats.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> like, the, the methodology is fine. It's just, like, man, like, to put someone that low... Anyway... The point is, don't be afraid of things like that and have conviction in the guys that you like at specific ranges and really, really go after them. Like this year, guys that I'm going after in like the mid rounds around the flex pick slot, like guys like Cortland Sutton, I just mentioned, because he's coming, he's been injured, but Cortland Sutton is Denver's best deep threat. And now they have a new quarterback in Russell Wilson, who is arguably the best deep ball thrower in the NFL. So if anyone is going to get, you know, more value and more fantasy production, it's going to be Cortland Sutton on that offense. So like a guy like that, um, a guy like Marquise Brown traded to the Arizona Cardinals who had a ridiculous likely, ridiculously high target share while he was in Baltimore. Now he gets to go play with his... Um, Uh, with his college teammate, former college teammate in Kyler Murray, who he already has a chemistry with, in addition to the fact that their number one option, DeAndre Hopkins, is going to be out for the first six weeks. He's slam dunked to get like 25% of the targets in Arizona, and he's going uh, going 65th overall. Um, Guy like Darnell Mooney, who's going 70th overall, which is nuts because he, so he's going as wide receiver 29, meaning that you he's going as the bottom of your of wide receiver threes, the bottom of wide receiver threes, which is crazy when you consider that he's the best wide receiver on his team and guaranteed over a thousand yards and a 100 receptions this year. It doesn't matter if his quarterback is bad or good, um, like he's the number one option and he's talented on his team and in addition to the fact that wide receivers on bad teams actually perform better in fantasy because of um because of good game scripts for them meaning that they're gonna fall behind early they're gonna have to throw a lot late and so wide receivers especially the best option on a shitty team is going to get a lot of garbage time production right um This guy is going as at the bottom end of wide receiver threes. Darnell Moody is when he's the best wide receiver on his team. Like undoubtedly. Um, Let's see more, more value picks here. A guy like Gabriel Davis uh, going 75th overall wide receiver 33, which would make him a wide receiver four. Uh, He is the second best option on What's going to be one of the best offenses of football with the best uh, quarterback in football in Josh Allen and Buffalo? Uh, for the last six weeks of the 2021 season, this guy had like 20 points per game or something. Which, if you project that across like 16 or 17 weeks, that would have easily made him a top five wide receiver in fantasy football. Um, and so, this is a guy who is the clear second option in what's going to be one of the best offenses in football and he's going as a wide receiver four which is insane which is nuts okay that's nuts. so think about all the the players that i just listed right what's something that they have in
1: common other than the fact that they're going to get a lot of targets a lot of volume they're all fucking wide receivers which
2: is goes back to what i was talking about earlier right about how there aren't that many good quality uh well, so there are some qual- there are there are some quality uh wide receivers in these mid rounds, but there aren't a lot. That's why I picked out like four. Like, but that's it. I wouldn't want any other wide receivers in this range. But there are a bunch of like running backs in this range that like could easily go. Uh like uh I'll start back up at like 60. A.J. Dillon is going 62nd overall. Um, Miles Sanders is, is going 71st overall. And then you have Cordell Patterson, who is still going to be the number one running back on his team. He's going 78th overall. Uh, then you have Devin Singletary, like Rashad Penny. All it, So these are all the running backs that are available in this round. And like, I wouldn't have a problem picking up any of them in this round, like if I needed them. Um, but like, there are a bunch of wide receivers here. That, like, I, I, I'm not sure on. Like, Adam Thielen, I'm not sure. He's, like, downward trending. Michael Thomas, he could get injured again. Uh, Hunter Renfro, good in PPR, I guess. He has, um, now he has to d- deal with Devontae Adams. Um, so, like, there are a bunch of wide receivers that I'm like, ah, I don't, I have no idea. There are a lot of question marks. But every single running back in this range, I'd be like, okay, like, pick him up. It's, like, solid mid, it's a solid uh, mid round pick. Um, so, okay, that's your second phase. Now, in your final phase are your sleepers, um, and just kind of like flyers, right, that you're taking a chance on for the season. Um, so, first, let me point out, in this phase, players who... They're not really sleepers, but somehow fall in that pick range, which is like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to define it as like 100 plus. Um, so players who are being drafted in, at pick 100 or later. Um, Christian Kirk, wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's their number one option. He's not a sleeper. He's their number one option. Like, he's not a sleeper. He's... He's guaranteed to be better than wide receiver 42, which is what he's going at. Like, guaranteed. He's their number one threat. Like, doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, at 103, Ramondre Stevenson, running back for the New England Patriots. This guy is better than Damian Harris, like, straight up as a running back. And, and all of the reports are saying that he may be, like, he might be starting um, when, when the season actually starts. After having a very, very good rookie season, in addition to the fact that they don't have a pass-catching um, ec- uh, like specialist anymore, and Ramon Stevenson is a much better pass-catcher than Damian Harris, um, which makes him a better option for this backfield, is, and in PPR. He's going 103rd overall. I, don't, I have no idea why. Next guy, 108, Alan Lazard, the number one option for Green Bay. Um, Green Bay, they don't, yeah, he's the number one option for Aaron Rodgers, and he's going 108th overall, wide receiver 44.
1: That's insane.
2: Yeah, that's these three players, they should not be going this slow. Like, there's absolutely no reason that they should be going this slow. It's completely outrageous. Um, like, yeah, especially Lazard.
0: I mean, yeah, I know Lazard's like, he, he, he was definitely not like, he's not, you know what I mean? Like, He's not a wide receiver one in this league.
2: Yeah, he's not. But, but he's, he's like be- Aaron Rodgers. Exactly. But yeah. he's gonna to he's get the targets. He's gonna get the volume because they don't have anyone else. Um so anyway, so that that that's the first uh like group of players that I wanna talk about in this tier. And then then we'll talk about like the sleepers here, like the high potential guys, right? The potential season winners, which is what people really want talk about that that's what they want to hear um so i'll give you i'll give you a few names james cook running back buffalo um this guy is the uga rookie um brother of dalvin cook who is my third overall running back this year um he's not as uh fast as dalvin cook um but this guy is a threat in the pass game and Buffalo doesn't have as strong, like their number one running back is Devin Singletary, but he does not have a strong, um, like hold on the, the running back room. So James Cook, if he plays well and he has value in the past game, he could easily become their biggest threat out of the backfield. Um, Again, and what I would I say before, Buffalo is going to be one of the best offenses in the league this year. So having um, a piece of that offense, it will be very, very valuable. Um, next guy, next flyer. Oh, Damian Pierce, uh, rookie running back for the Houston Texans. Another running back room where the starter is unclear. There are a couple of veterans there, but they're not very good. There's a reason that they're there um, and they uh, they move teams to come to Houston. Damian Pierce has looked really, really impressive in training camp. He's looked really, really impressive in the preseason. Um, he can catch the ball out of the backfield, and he is kind of like the bruising style of running back who's going to get the uh, the end zone carries, the red zone carries that are going to result in touchdowns. Um, and so if I wanted a running back out of Houston's backfield, this guy might be it. Like this guy, he could potentially be a a league winner for you. Um, and that's kind of what you're looking for in in sleepers is. You don't want the guy who is like, okay, he's a rookie and I think he's going to get like a solid 12 points a game or something for me. Like, okay, that's nice because like he's a rookie, but that's not what I'm going for here. I'm going for guys who have the potential to pop off. Like he might score four points a game for you, but he might also score 20 points a game you that's that's a league winner right there
0: 100 percent. like now is the time to be like I, I can i can afford to lose the like you know the eight points mm-hmm. for a chance to you know get another
2: eight yes I mean? because you have to think about it yep. this way That so we have to think about it you can only start two running backs two wide receivers and one flex on your team that's five players you can only start five players um from one wide receiver or running back None of these players are projected to be starters in your lineup anyway, so why waste it on a middling potential safety pick and just take the risk and and go for the, the big hit, right? Right, right. All right, next guy up, Jacoby Myers, wide receiver for the New England Patriots, who surprisingly had a decent season last year. The... The thing that I want to highlight for him is he has 126 targets last season, which is a ton.
1: He ended up with 866 yards, but only two touchdowns, only two touchdowns. So what that means, though, what that means for us, though,
2: is that he is projected or he should be projected to be even higher in terms of the number of touchdowns that he gets this season given his target share because he's getting so many targets he he should he's due for positive touchdown regression this season and so if jacoby myers i think i did the math like uh like last week or something if jacoby myers had hit like just like seven touchdowns or something that's like five touchdowns more than he did last season. He would have, like, vaulted up to, like, top 20 wide receiver in fantasy football last year. And he's going 145th overall. Wide receiver 56. And he's easily going to outperform his ADP. Like, there's no doubt about it. Um,
1: and he could be the best uh, option on that offense. Um, who else do we have here? I guess... We have Jamal Williams
2: running back out of Detroit. This guy is, uh, he's not a rookie. He's definitely a veteran, but he's a guy who's going to be getting, you know, 30 to 40% of the carries up in Detroit, taking the way from DeAndre Swift, who is a RB1, right? This season, he's an RB1. He's going like in the top 10, in the top 12 of every single league. DeAndre Swift gets injured, it's all Jamal Williams. So imagine you're getting all of the volume of a top 12 pick in the 158th pick overall if he gets injured. The best thing that you can do with these kind of picks especially is this is a pro tip. You don't draft a kicker during your draft and instead you draft an extra bench spot for a guy like jamal williams who who skyrockets in value if the starter gets injured and then you just wait until the first game before the rosters lock and then you just drop him if the starter doesn't get injured and then you pick up your kicker for the week there's like there's like no downside you're gonna stream kickers anyway so like there's there's like zero downside to just drafting an extra upside guy like Jamal Williams just to see, just to wait and see if the starter gets injured before the season starts. Which if they do, lucky you, you fucking you have the you have the next guy up for free. But if it doesn't happen, no, no big deal. You just drop him and you pick up your your kicker and good to go pro tips. Yeah. (laughs) these are actually pro tips. Um, last few guys here, Jalen Tolbert out of Dallas. I really like this guy. Um, he's a, he's a rookie for Dallas. He's been kind of popping off in camp, but I like him more than that because of of his place on the depth chart. He might even be the starting wide receiver too at the beginning of the season because, because of the injuries to the other wide receivers on this roster. Um, for a team that lost Amari Cooper and all of those targets, to be wide receiver two on a pass-heavy offense like Dallas, you pretty good, even if you're a rookie. Um, Man, like, I could go on. Like At this point, we're getting into the 200s, man. We're getting into the 200s, which is completely nuts. Joshua Palmer, wide receiver for the Los Angeles Chargers, he's wide receiver three there. Um, But this is another guy who will skyrocket in value if one of the starters, Keenan Allen or Mike Williams gets injured and Mike Williams is injured like every single season. So it's not like a matter of like, if it's like a matter of when he's going to get injured, Joshua Palmer is going to end up becoming a wide receiver to, to an offense that has Justin Herbert, who is arguably the best like pocket passer in the league straight up, like hands down. So another super high upside guy, Alec Pierce, wide receiver for the Indianapolis Colts. He's going 212th overall, but he's been killing it in camp. And the number two wide receiver position for our offense is completely wide open. It could be anyone, including Alec Pierce. He's 6'3". He's fast as hell.
1: Very high upside. I,
2: he could be the second option on a top 10 offense. And he's going 212th. He's not even getting drafted in a lot of leagues. He's not getting drafted.
0: The great thing is that, you know, there's a high chance because they're not drafted. They're just going hu- to be available. Yes. What about them being there? Right?
2: They just got to be there. They're just going to be there. All right. Last guy here. We're going really deep. This is. This is ADP 247.
0: Dude, that's insane, dude.
2: This is wide receiver 82. <laughs> <laughs> Donovan People all right?
1: Really, he's down there.
2: Yeah, he's way down, despite being... He's probably going to be the second wide receiver on... Um. On this Cleveland team now, I think a lot of his value is lost because Deshaun is obviously not going to be there for the first eleven weeks. But even without Deshaun, he's number two on a good offense that could be good. Um, not to mention that once Deshaun comes back, this guy could eat because there's no one else to challenge him. There's just Amari Cooper. That's it. They uh, Jarvis Landry is is gone, so he's the next guy up. Um, all right, so like those are kind of like the sleepers, your your prototypical sleepers. Now, for people who play like ridiculous leagues, like sixteen team leagues or like sixteen team with like eight bench, like sort of like super deep ass leagues, you need the super sleepers. These are the <laughs> these are the super super sleepers. We're talking we're talking picks two hundred and fifty and beyond. How do, you, how do you find? How can you possibly find value in, in picks 250 and beyond? Let me tell you, okay? KJ. Hamler, 275, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos. Okay, so this is crazy. So be, before the injury to Tim Patrick, I was a Tim Patrick Stan, um, wide receiver for, for the Broncos. But then he got injured, he's going to be out for the season meaning that the wide receiver three spot in Denver is kind of open, which opens up an opportunity for KJ Hamler, the speedster. And you know who he profiles to? To a certain Seahawks wide receiver and ex-favorite target of Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, who is, who has been with Russell Wilson like a top 15 wide receiver in fantasy football for like the past two seasons. KJ Hamler is basically just Tyler Lockett. Like he is, he's like five, eight, five, nine fast as hell. Like he's so fucking fast. Um, again, like even without injuries to Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler could be wide receiver three in this offense. And he fits the mold of a player that Russell Wilson likes throwing to. The upside here is insane because Cortland Sutton had injury concerns. Jerry Judy had injury concerns. Of the two who are above KJ Hamler on the depth chart, both have injury concerns. This statistically is likely that at least one of them is going to get injured over the course of the season, which would vault KJ Hamler up to wide receiver two territory on an offense with a quarterback who is very good at throwing deep seems pretty good like to me it. yeah seems pretty good um uh, like oh boy all right we're we're, we're going real deep here i'm not now now like even i'm like starting to struggle like to find the guys
1: um i guess like Uh, all right. I,
2: I mean, let's talk a little bit about, like, the problem with Quez Watkins. So, Quez Watkins, wide receiver out of Philadelphia. The problem with this guy is that there's so many wide receivers on this team now. Now with, like, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown and all this. But, Quez Watkins is just as talented as them. And he's very, very fast. And last year, we saw Flashes of Quest Watkins. We always see flashes of Quest Watkins. He's just never gotten the volume to quite take it over and 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 get to that next level. Um but this guy is super talented. He's only 24 years old. He's only 24 years old, but he's super talented. Um and uh he showed that he can he does have the ability to pop off when he gets the targets in the last in the last game of last year um this guy had 19 fantasy points uh he went 5 receptions 84 yards and a touchdown against Dallas in the last in the last game of of uh last season so he has the potential to get there um it would take an injury to one of the wide receivers but uh, ahead of him but I mean look at the wide receivers ahead of him it's Devonte Smith who is skinnier than me and then, and then there's AJ Brown who spent like half of last season injured, um, and has had injury concerns for the last two years. So, again, a guy who can, he can, he can, if he gets the right opportunities, he can really, really pop off. Um, oh man, we're we're getting we're getting really rough here ryan edwards wide receiver for the atlanta falcons um he's the ex i don't even
0: know who these people are
2: <laughs> exactly he uh he's an ex he used to be on the 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 las vegas raiders and he was actually a man crush of their ex coach john gruden because this guy is like six three and then it but it's like so fluid he he is a true athlete um, uh, and why I mentioned this guy is because I don't think Atlanta's offense is going to be good, but the flip side of that is who do they have? Like outside of Kyle Pitts, they have no one to throw to because Calvin Ridley is out for this season. Who like they have to throw to someone like they can't throw to nobody. And so Brian Edwards, a guy who has really, really good hands. He does really, really well out of the slot. He can... He doesn't always provide value like going deep, but with bad quarterbacks on a bad offense, that's not where you're going to get your your yards. You're going to get your yards on like the five yard um, out routes. You're going to get them on the, on the short slants, right? Um, in routes that are easy intermediate level throws for your shitty quarterback, Marcus Mariota, to make. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just out here just trashing Marcus Mariota. Um, so who would that go to? My, my guess would be Brian Edwards going 331st or no 333rd overall. Baby Poggers. <laughs> um all right. Do I do I even go one more here? All right, last guy, last guy. Oh man. This guy. James Prochet the second out of Baltimore. Why do I mention Baltimore? Because there are wide receiver positions completely out of whack. We don't even know who their wide receiver one is going to be. We think it's going to be Rashad Bateman, but we don't know for sure. That's, that, even that is not set in stone, um, which is why you take high potential wide receivers from this offense. Um, James Roche, 5'11", 25-year-old guy um, out of SMU, um, he was a camp standout this season. And he prob- he, he's dealing with a couple of injuries right now. But, man, like for, what is he going? 370th overall. Listen, if you, need a, if you just need a guy to put on your bench who has the potential of popping off at some point in the season, James
1: Prochet is your guy. There you go. Running backs, wide receivers. We did it. We covered Hilarious them all. Dude, I'm see- I'm seeing Antonio Brown in the three hundred. That's funny. I
2: what that that's what happened. Once you get in the three hundreds, you're looking at guys <laughs> who ain't even in the league. <laughs>
1: who ain't even in the league. <laughs> My God. That's funny.
0: Alrighty, man. Well, that was, that was an exhaustive break. Down. That's inspiring, man. I, I think I might do fantasy this year.
1: Hell yeah. Let's go.
0: I might do it, man. That, that's inspiring stuff. Uh, NBA? Do it. All righty. Well, in, in the basketball world, the big news. LeBron James signs a two-year contract for $97.1 million, making him on a per-year basis, the highest-paid NBA player ever at the uh, right age of 37, I believe. And to note, the last year is a player option, so he could just go somewhere else, um, you know, depending on personal factors, which we believe to be becoming more and more important um, as his son Ronnie James is going to be entering his final year of high school and will be a college baller by the time uh, the next season starts. So I mean, what are your thoughts on,
1: what are your thoughts on, first of all, the Lakers situation with LeBron back on the boat? Um, so I, I named the the uh
2: the stream today and the podcast today lebron owns the lakers which may not technically be true yet i have a good feeling that he may end up owning the lakers at some point um but that's what kind of this this says to me is that i guess this is just lebron's team and he can do whatever the fuck he wants even though he's 37 um, cause it's, and his agent made it very clear that this is the most, this is the, this is the most that any NBA player has made in the NBA ever, because this is like the, per the rule book, the max, the max contract that the Lakers could offer LeBron the straight up per the rule. This is, this is the very, very max. Um, to demand a max contract at age 30. He's 37, right? 37?
1: I mean. My God. Like. Who does that? Who does that? Even the, even the
2: great Michael Jordan didn't do that. Even the late, great Kobe Bryant, that guy was barely running up and down the court at age 37, much less demanding, demanding the contractual max that any team could offer any player in the NBA
1: to not only to play for them at age 37, but to play for them through the age of 40. I mean as a Lakers fan I'm disgusted what, what, let, let me let me just make sure I understood you correctly are you are you are you calling LeBron's
0: you know attitude or his intentions into questions from a morality perspective here is he being too cruel
1: with what he is asking for like, it's bizarre. Okay, so okay, let me provide
2: the context here, though, of, like, what the fuck is going on, right? It's number one, right? So 20, it was 2020 when he came to the Lakers, right? 2019?
0: Uh, it might have been 2019.
2: All right, 2019 or 2020. So right, it must have been 19 because it's been three years they didn't win the first year then they win after the trade and then they didn't win
0: or, or tw- the 2019 season like uh yeah. 18 to 19. yeah yeah so anyway there was a non-pandemic yet.
2: Yeah. so um lebron comes to the lakers
1: after kobe retires and he says okay um i'm going to i'm going to sign a
2: four year deal with you guys but I'm also going to force you guys to mortgage everything, to take out a third mortgage on the team's roster and draft capital in order to bring one player, one player, one player to the Lakers,
1: okay, but, but here's the kicker, here's the kicker. I still need to get paid a lot
2: so your salary cap is fucked. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, but, here's the kicker.
2: You have to, you have to trade all of your players on rookie contracts
1: <laughs> but I'll stay with you for four years.
2: <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. This is how we started. This is how this story started, okay? And then, in year two, during the pandemic, in the bubble, yeah, he does it. He, he, he brings home the chip with Anthony Davis. He did it. with The chip with an asterisk on it, but it's a chip nonetheless. It is a chip, so he did. He did bring one home, but that's not what we were promised when when LeBron came to LA. We were promised three fucking rings, okay, sir? We were promised we were promised three rings because when you're an you LA well, when you're t- when you're an LA Laker when you're an LA Laker, you bring home three fucking rings, or you get the fuck out of here, okay? If you want to be a Lakers legend, and you want to go down as one of the greatest of all time Lakers, you best be bringing home three rings or more. Shaq did it.
0: Oh, absolutely. Kobe did it. Well, well, if he's trying to be on Mount Rushmore of the Lakers legend, then yes. Yes. Absolutely.
2: Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, like, but, like, why else would you come to the Lakers if you're not going to do that, right? Like just to be overshadowed by the other Lakers legends. No, no. If you're LeBron James, you're coming to the Lakers because it's the the most storied franchise in the league. And you, you want to prove that you're not going to be overshadowed by the greats that came before you. Which means that you promised us fucking three rings. Okay, that's what that means. Implicitly, it means that you promised us three rings when you came to LA. I only see
1: one ring, and that ring has an asterisk on it. Well, well, I'll tell you, man. Asking for a Max, if I'm a fan, I'm pissed at LeBron. Yeah, of course. I'm pissed. Because, like you said, athletes, even the greatest of
0: all time, at this age, at this stage in their career, they're not thinking about money because they're so great
1: that to this point, they've accrued all that. (laughs) It's like, this is what LeBron James
0: signing a nearly $100 million contract over two
1: years means, it means that he's given up on winning rings. And the thing is, I think he was right to do it. I would be frustrated if I were a fan, but
0: it's the right thing to do. Why? Because there's nothing that the Lakers could do, even if LeBron gave them a discount, that would make them competitors for the championship, in my
1: opinion. They're not even the best team in LA right now. So if you're him, you just get take what
0: you can get. I mean, again, whether or not it was a fifty million dollars per year deal, or whether it was a twenty million dollars per year deal, he has so much money. He's swimming in so much cash. Like it's not, it's not that big, you know. But there's nothing else in it for him except money in LA and just the fact that he gets to just be the franchise uh, face. there's nothing in it for him. In fact, he he understood that so much that he made the second year a player option <laughs> because he's like, well you know, you never know what could happen. Maybe there is another 50 million dollar deal you know around the
1: hori- on the horizon. With a little bit of upside. Because the Lakers don't seem to have it. Listen. Tom Brady, when this motherfucker was 40 years old, he had a $15 million salary. Yep.
2: Alright, we're talking like, probably like, fifteen or like 20th of all quarterbacks in the league. Because this motherfucker understood. He understood what it takes to win three rings to the franchise that you came to, okay? <laughs> of course, Tom Brady won more rings than that. But that's also why LeBron has one... No. You know what? You know what? From now on, I'm not even gonna...
1: He has half a fucking ring at the Lakers, okay? Half a ring! That ain't good enough! And then, I then, I then he was like, here, here is, here is how you really know LeBron is done
2: winning. It's okay. So let's say, okay, fine, fine. Like, yeah, you're getting older. Like, when else are you going to make, you know, 40, 50 million dollars on, on a contract in the NBA? Okay, sure. Like, the Lakers have a shit ton of money. They can pay the luxury tax because, you know, the buses are fucking billion, almost trillionaires probably, and, you know, this tax write-off, you know. (laughs) 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 But, but, but this is how I know that LeBron really doesn't give a
1: shit anymore. Rob Polinka came to him at some point, and he was like, hey, LeBron, so... We're thinking about trading for Russell Westbrook. How do you feel about that? And LeBron was like, alright, sounds good.
2: That's when you know. That's when you know LeBron doesn't give a shit about winning anymore. When when your fucking GM comes to you and he's like, I'm going to trade for Russell Westbrook. And then you're like, that's fine by me. It's okay. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with fucking Russell Westbrook.
1: (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh my god oh my god
0: well yeah unfortunately i think with that lebron's gm career probably um, <laughs> took a hit his his uh, future gm career if he ever wanted it um, has been called into question with the onboarding of russell Westbrook. It, i think it'll go down as you know um i think a pretty pivotal moment um in LeBron's twilight, uh, the entrance of Russell Westbrook effectively shutting down <laughs> whatever hope there was. Uh, Is... Let's move on, man. Let's
2: wait, wait, let, okay. Wait, 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 <laughs> wait. Before I move on, we had to we had to answer this one question, very important question: Is Russell Westbrook
1: the biggest cock block in the NBA? No. What? What do you mean? Well, be, well, because in my opinion,
0: even without Russell Westbrook, like, let's say, the, even without the trade
2: happening, I still don't... No, not I just, still would not... Not put, just in this like, case. Over, the, over his career, throughout his career. Think about, think about the cops that he's blocked throughout his career. LeBron James here, James Harden before this, Kevin Durant before that. These are like all-time yeah, okay. greats we're talking about.
0: Yeah, OKC, okay, he, he, he blocked some cogs there. Sure.
2: <laughs> this guy might be the biggest cog block of NBA history.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he I, Yeah, he is. <laughs>
0: very toxic yeah yeah
2: my god okay let's now yeah, we can yeah, yeah. now we can move on now we can move I, on. I i i
0: can i can agree with that um <laughs> if you consider like you know all of yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would say that um uh we're so obviously i think a lot of people are expecting right lebron james the player option has a lot to do with right the future of his son as well Ronnie James is entering his uh, final year in high school. I have, like, barely watched him play before. Like, I've seen highlights. I think yeah. I, t- I tuned in for a Sierra Canyon game. Yeah. And, like, watched for, like, on, on like, the TV. Because, yeah. I mean, as you'd expect, they're nationally televised once in a while. Which is <laughs> crazy. Um, I mean, it's just, like, his father. And... um. And and, and uh, I, we were just talking about it. He's a four-star recruit, you know, fringe top fifty, which is not. That's a that's a D one bound player, you know, like that's a D one bound player to a good school. Yeah. And teams like Michigan, Ohio State, UCLA, Kentucky have made offers to him. Some, like Kentucky and Ohio State, I believe have been in his back pocket since he was nine years old, which is unbelievable.
1: Where do you think he's going to go? Where should he go? Um, Hmm. Good question. I... There are a lot of things to consider here. Like, but my priority for Brawny would be, like, developing him. Um, but, like, also,
2: the problem is that, like, I don't think, like, that's, like, he's very interested in that. He's going to go a year and and be done, right? Like, it's almost guaranteed that he's going to be one and done. Um.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, I think so. So, where you want to go is you want to go to a place where you're going to start, Right. And you're gonna you're gonna be guaranteed minutes, basically, is where you wanna go. Um which UCLA could be a good option for him. He uh, you know, stays in town, stays close to his dad. The dad can maybe come to some games, maybe help coach him up a little bit. Uh that that'd be an option. Um and like UCLA, listen, like they're a historic program, but their recruiting is, is nowhere near as strong as some of some of the the heavy weights right in, in, in college basketball. They're, they're, no, they're no Duke, they're no Kentucky, they're no Kansas. Um, so I think it it would bode well for for Bronny, and he'd probably be more likely to be guaranteed to start there than like if he went to Duke or Kansas or somewhere else, although like maybe his clout is enough that he just, like, start at those schools anyway, um, even he, like, shouldn't. Um, but I don't know. You don't, you don't know that. You don't know that. So, like, that's why I'm saying, like, UCLA, where, like, I would imagine that he's, like, guaranteed to start, like, every game.
0: Yeah, like, I think about a place like Kentucky. Coach Cal is, like, really close with him and LeBron. And I think even if he doesn't start, he gets meaningful minutes because,
1: sure.
0: because like you said, like the just having him on the team and you know the favoritism, not really nepotism, I guess, but you know it's like it plays a little part into that. So I think the playing time is going to be there wherever he goes. Yeah, I look at a place like Ohio State. Um, I, th- I I saw somewhere that Ohio State would have him making the most money. Not that money should be a big factor in him because he is obviously loaded as hell. Yeah, the money there is going to be peanuts. But I mean, at the end of the day, like he's he's a he's a, he's a seventeen-year-old kid, you know. <laughs> like money is money, and I'm sure like you know that's got to be something, right? And Ohio State is a much more successful program. Um, Still has roots with his father's, you know, uh, hometown, and so and of course he obviously lived in Ohio as well at some point in his life. So I could see a move like Ohio State making a lot of sense because I, you know, with all due respect to UCLA, they just haven't had that kind of success as well. So if he's going to want to play on a team that's like you know also be able to hold their own at the national tournament then i think ohio state makes a lot of sense
1: yeah, and
0: one thing that i like i'm thinking about as well though is you know outside of Bronny, if you're a college if you're about to be a college basketball player in his same class do you
1: want to go to the team that Bronny james is at Or do you want to avoid that and go somewhere else? If there's a 1% chance that I get to become a homie, Ronnie James. (laughs) Meaning I'm set for life.
2: I'm I'm set for life. After becoming his best friend over the
1: course of a year, college. If if I don't have like high hopes of being like an NBA starter or
2: anything like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hell <laughs> yeah! I'm fucking going to college, Brody. <laughs> Look, I think like if if you're
0: if you're a point guard, let's say, yeah, like in his position, like you're a guard,
1: yeah,
0: it's ranked higher than him, yeah. You don't want to go to the same school as him you I, know mean, what I mean like, probably like, yeah yeah yes. there's a good chance you might win the job over him if you don't want like some bs you know like a you know favoritism screwing you over
2: there's also going to be say- like more scrutiny there and like as soon as you fuck yeah. up as soon as you fuck up you know brawny's in yep and
0: so and even if you're not in the same position as well yeah. Like if you if you're like a serious NBA bound player, I would want to avoid all that. I want to isolate myself from all those distractions.
2: Yeah. I I think that's fair. To be fair though, they're like they're only like 20 of those players max in like a given class, right?
0: Well, I mean, is like ranked around 50, so they're, yeah. like
1: 50. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, but <laughs> I mean like
2: I like even like Oh, oh, I see. Yeah, what yeah. Like listen, like if you're 50, if you're fiftieth in your draft class, there's like a strong chance that you don't even get drafted into the NBA. Like even if you like keep that
1: ranking. Well, man, uh, I'm just saying statistically. Well, like, statistically, right? But I mean, if you're if you're a if you're a
0: ball if you're a baller at that level, you're ranked fifty. I'm sure all of them like like it's there. Yeah, there, I mean? there
2: is a chance. Like, like it's not it's like, not shut. At
0: that point, like I I mean I can't say what's a bigger factor, but the work ethic is like a very, very important factor at that point. That's right? true. It's, That's like, true. You know, the attitude might be the thing that like brings somebody in that like uh in that range to MBA level talent, right? Right,
2: so, right. Or 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 your dad could be LeBron. Or your dad
0: could be LeBron. <laughs> But hey, man. I mean, like, there were there were guys that are like, you know, ranked much less, uh, much lower than him. You know, put their head down and just got to work. You know, of course, someone like Dylan Brooks comes to mind. Yeah. Right. Went to like a like a school that's like not super well known. Sometimes makes like a decent run in the national tournaments. Like a school like Oregon. Uh, Not a lot of distraction, not a lot of high-profile talent going through that school. Um, It was just that uh, one player, I think, um, I think Bell was his name.
2: Oh, Jordan Bell? Jordan Bell.
0: Jordan Bell, yeah. Um, He was, like, the biggest name to play, like,
2: concurrently.
0: So, like, not a lot of scrutiny. You know, put his head down, stayed there for three years and got there, right? So, it's like... You know, the, the situation matters a lot. So yeah. I think, like, you know, if you, yeah, if, you, if you're a walk-on, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> if you're a walk-on, you definitely want to be where Ronnie is. You want to be his roommate? You want to sit with him in the dining hall? You want to
2: go everywhere with him. <laughs> you want to be his bitch, okay? That's what you want to be. That's your career. That's your, let's say, you thought you were going to go to business school and do all these things? No, you have a new career now. Ronnie's bitch, okay?
0: Or maybe you can, like, go to, like, you can, maybe you can do business school and then, like, I don't know, like, talk Ronnie into, like, making you his agent. Yes,
2: or yes. You know what I mean? In either case, that's just, that's just another word for Ronnie's bitch. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> All right, man. Anything else you want to talk about at NBA? Uh, no, it, it's just.
0: <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let, let, let's talk about the EP on the will Um, Liverpool, first of all, you know, uh, we got to start off with the title race, right? Liverpool, we expect to be right in there. Start off with two draws. I don't think the draw this week was any fault of their own. It's just their star striker being a dumbass and headbutting defenders like he's, like he's
1: (laughs) like he's like he's fucking
2: Suarez reincarnated in Liverpool
0: (laughs) I saw it too and I'm like what that was like so brain dead what
2: is it with star Liverpool striker I don't know man Some's in the water I mean
0: uh, Suarez, yeah. <laughs> Uruguayan as well, right? Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> it's it, so funny. If you're an Uruguayan, like, just stay away from Liverpool. Because, like, I don't know, there's something in the <laughs> their, uh, in their dining facilities. I don't know. Oh, my facility. God. So that, he was straight up belligerent out there. It's so uh, but,
2: funny. But
0: the fact of the matter is, this is already a four-point deficit. You know, like this stuff matters.
2: It matters, like, yeah. When the it's... title
0: race literally came down to the final match, yeah, yeah. Like this stuff matters, and yep. so, like, I don't know, man. This is uh, they got to find, they got to get on the right track. Well, the thing is, is that you know, if it weren't for the red card, Liverpool were gonna win that game. I think they were, they were applying so much pressure, even down one man. That, like with an extra man on, like they would have won that game, but. You know, stuff like this happens, right? Um, Manchester United. No, let's let's talk about Manchester United last.
1: Okay. <laughs> sure, sure, sure.
0: Tottenham versus Chelsea uh, at Stanford Bridge. Tottenham escape with a 2-2 draw. We were talking last week about how, you know, if you're a Tottenham fan, you're upset if you come out of that losing because... Tottenham on paper are the favorites. I never really thought, truly, I never truly believed in that. That, you know, Tottenham's better on paper. I thought it was a wash. I thought it was a toss-up. And I think that ended up holding true. And tactically, you know, Chelsea were better set up. They looked much better in possession. They were nullifying all attempts to counterattack. It was, it was probably the best version of Chelsea I'd seen since two years ago when they won the Champions League. This Chelsea was nowhere to be seen last year for me. And, I mean, what can I say? Like, uh, officiating decisions, questionable. Romero pulling uh, the Chelsea defender's hair, uh, Cucurella, pulling his hair on a set piece. BAR checks it, and then Nothing comes of it, which was shocking, nice. but leads to the goal in stoppage time that makes it 2 2. But each goal, the managers just going head to head, just like going in their face with the reactions. I never seen that kind of like misbehavior from Hostility. Antonio Conte. This, that, that was some Mourinho level pettiness that was going on in, this, in, in the touch lines. You know, like the whole. You know, your team scores and then you go like, go go stare down the other manager. Like that's, that's a Mourinho. (laughs) That's a Mourinho. A classic. um, Yeah, that's, that's like, that's like, that's like the stuff that you would expect from him, you know? And I don't know, man, like that game. I think after that game, I officially felt like the Premier League had started, you know? Like the first week, it was it was entertaining, but this is like the drama. You know what I mean? The handshake and like you know Conte and and Tuchel just getting at it after the final whistle, getting red carded. It's gonna be hilarious because I believe the red card means that the, the managers obviously they can't be at the touchline, but they could be in the stands. So like I don't know, like Conte's <laughs> gonna be probably watching from the stands and like I don't know, like shouting because that's you know, They funny. can't do anything about that, but um that that's just the drama that we needed.
1: Hell and, yeah.
0: And I, I don't know, dude, like if Spurs left, if Spurs left last week with uh, with a loss after the kind of game that was played, I wouldn't have been very mad because they were just the worst team. And it was just a tactical, you know, it was a tactical win everywhere for Chelsea. And then, you know, really Spurs kind of scalped that one, I think so. I mean, it just goes to show you, like, it's, like, narratives matter, you know, nerves matter. Playing in, like, your rivals, t- uh, the enemy territory, you know, it gets to you. And the whole, this team's better on paper, this team made all the transfers to improve themselves, you know, while this team, you know, did not. Yeah. Like, all of that stuff, you know, these, those are factors, yes, yeah. but it all becomes so diluted in the face of, like, a very high-profile matchup that is so driven by narratives, and, um, and I think we saw that. Uh, it was an entertaining uh, game, though, and
1: I think um, Pierce Spurs fan you're just very happy with what happened. Uh, Manchester United. Well, uh, we're taken down 4-0. Uh, first of all, let's just talk about the game
0: briefly. You know, and, and maybe we'll get to, you know, the what now uh, in a second. But the game itself, Manchester United were not playing poorly. It just started to fall apart after uh, De Gea made, made an problems. error. Yeah, made made a couple errors, actually. Uh, and the game goes down 2 nothing. and then at that point, you know, Things start to fall apart but I have to say yes the Gea was horrible but I mean let's not forget this guy is like this guy had to have one of those days at some point right yeah and everybody makes mistakes been, everybody
2: yeah. has those days as a certain <laughs> fictitious pop star basically
0: but <laughs> uh, yeah in all seriousness like De Gea has been you know A silver lining in what's been a pretty dark period for them,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, Um, but clearly, one of those days couldn't have come at a worse time. Uh, and no transfer news to speak of. Well, there's some rumors, rumors about Christian Pulisic, right?
2: There's uh, Um, yeah, there's rumors about Pulisic. Um, there's um. A rumor, or not a rumor, there's a report that we got rejected for our bid on uh, Felix, the Atletico forward.
0: Oh, there's no way you're getting
2: <laughs> Yeah, I know. He's, he's like, he's, he's their, he's their wunderkind. He's their, like, Kai Havertz. Like, why would they give him up? I don't know. Um, I mean, like, he's
0: getting, well, I have to say, he's getting to the age where, like, he should have had his breakout year.
2: Is he that like, 20?
0: uh no he's pretty like uh joe felix right
2: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he's he's and 22 he's pretty, now oh my he's already 22 he's
0: yeah 22. like uh i mean any year now like if, if we don't see a breakout year in a couple of years i mean we're gonna have we're gonna have to start asking questions because, that's true so, then he becomes high then he
2: becomes mario Gusta. um she, yeah so like we got rejected for a bit for him then um now new newest rumors are about casemiro
0: Oh, there's no way he's coming. <laughs> don't even reach. Don't even
2: reach.
1: So, I mean, why,
0: why the hell would... I don't 30, 30-year-old Casemiro leave a Champions League winning squad where he has... He's a shoo-in starting 11,
1: playing behind Benzema, Vinicius. Why would he leave that? He still has
0: Modric... And Bruce, although they're nearing their end, but Casemiro's like, this is his prime as well. Like, this is when he should be pushing to win stuff. So,
1: why would, why on earth would he leave? Only answer I can give you is. <laughs> well, yeah, but we've heard this story way too many times. Like, uh,
0: I can't remember the last transfer for Manchester United that worked out. Bruno Fernandes,
2: and even Bruno Fernandes was like,
0: he's regressed. Yeah, he's, he's regressed. Yeah,
2: he's gotten worse somehow. Like all Manchester United players do. <laughs>
0: but outside of like Bruno Fernandes, everything else has just been a sunk cost. But I do like idea of uh, Pulisic. I think it's actually
2: doable. I think, I think it's, it's doable. doable as well. I, I, I think and I think it'll be good. Yeah, I think it's both doable. I think it'd be it, it'd be good for Pulisic as well, right?
1: Um, yeah, I think so. The only problem is that like we have a right wing. So Jay Sancho? Yeah. Who we spent 80 yeah, mil on! 90 yeah, mil? Yeah, but he sucks. Give him one season, okay? Well, like, I, I I think... I mean, he shouldn't be starting every game. Yeah, maybe not. But, like...
2: Oh, man. Like,
0: Pulisic, like he, he, could, he could slot in in different...
1: He could technically play left. Yeah, he, he could slot in. And, like, you know, Rashford... I don't know, man. Not looking good. Manchester United-Liverpool this weekend.
0: Liverpool's... Liverpool started off the season with two draws. They are furious. They're, They're thirsting curious.
2: for a win. They're thirsting for a win. Yeah.
1: And United looks as loose as hell. So, Are you going to be watching that one? Listen, I know
2: exactly what's going to happen. I'll tell you right now. It, this, is, this is what happens in every Manchester United game.
1: I watched the first 10 minutes. It becomes two nil. And then I turn it off? That's <laughs> every match fucking United game.
0: Well well I, I think uh we should I think we should do like this thing. Cause uh last week we did it. You know, like, you know, we picked we pick the game of the we pick the match of the week and then we predict our scores. Um we did that last
1: week for Chelsea Tottenham. Let's do it for Manchester United Liverpool this weekend. What what is what is your predicted score? 5 5-1 <laughs> Five, Okay. Uh yeah, I, I was gonna I was gonna say
0: three one. I think three one. Um, listen, listen. Three one and like Ronaldo's gonna score like a penalty or something.
2: You think you think you think Liverpool can't score as many goals as Christian Eriksen less Brentford?
0: Oh well, like the thing is, like I don't think Dia is gonna make that many mistakes.
2: Yeah, I I agree, but. They're also also just like
0: Liverpool's Liverpool's low key like they're a disciplined team, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, but they're also much 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 better than Brentford. (laughs) Like that is also true.
1: That is also is that even comparable?
2: I think
0: think 3 1. I think 3 1. um, Isn't it out Old Trafford? Is it at Anfield? Well, if it's at Anfield, I'm changing my answer
2: to 4-1. I don't even remember.
1: Uh, look I'll look it up. Um, Jesus Christ, dude. It's, uh... I think it's at Old Trafford. Yep. It's at Old Trafford. Yeah, at it's at Old Trafford. Trafford. I'm gonna give it. Three. Oh, okay, wait. Old Trafford? 3-2. Three, 3-2! Two. Three, two. Wait three two united baby you're crazy you're crazy all right
0: well we'll we'll come back to it no that's okay well i'm not gonna say anything i was gonna say like i'll wager you something but i'm not gonna
1: get it yeah you don't know man you don't know you don't know
0: this is liverpool man do you know how hard it is to beat liverpool
2: Manchester United won just one of their last 12 Premier premier League games against Liverpool and are winless at eight since a
1: 2-1 win in March of 2018. This is the worst version of United that we've seen. Liverpool
2: are looking to win four consecutive league games against Manchester United for the first time since January
1: 2002. Uh, It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Well, in any case. That's all for this week ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you for tuning in and as always keep it on 11. See you next week folks. Hey yeah.